Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Welcome in. It is Tuesday, November the, let me double check this because I'm not actually sure. Been kind of a week. 19th, 2019. This is a quick six on a, on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. And as you can tell, voice is still not a, not in 100%, but I didn't want it to go any further before we had a chance to speak, you and I, about the world of football and the crazy things happening in sports over the weekend. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. My name is Jason Martin, host of the Big Six Editor-in-Chief over at the Big Six Blog, host of the Jason Martin Show, heard nationally, Fox Sports Radio, 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday mornings. Um, because of the holidays and because of Tennessee basketball and because of the Titans, I'm on the zone on Friday on my show. You'll hear the Tennessee Tailgate Show with Joey Kent and I on Saturday, and that's going to be it for a little bit. Um, there's a basketball game tomorrow, and then, of course, the holidays are next week. Uh, so the expectation probably is that in terms of 6 p.m., it's going to be a few weeks. So hopefully, you know, the quick six is kind of helping you out and getting you a little bit of a fix of me if you're a fan of a fan of that. It's always going to be weird to me that I have fans. Um, we're just people that, that pay attention to what I'm doing, care, even though I've never met them before. I made a phone call a little bit earlier today about, you know, some things that are about to happen, just some errands that need to be run and things like that. And the person I was speaking to on the other end of the phone from that company knew me and told me he was a fan of my work and uh, he was almost a little bit afraid to say it and all this is, it just boggles my mind and so that's why I always say I'm blessed beyond measure all reasonable and otherwise hope you recognize that you are as well hope these, these holidays as we're getting into that season uh, have you and yours feeling close and that things are going as good as they can in your life. Let's talk about football here, and this may be a shorter version just because I don't know how long my voice can hold up, but I would not draft to a Tonga Vailoa. I said that on Saturday on Twitter. I backed off of the why was he in the game commentary because I know that Alabama has to have really impressive wins right now because they're on the outside looking in and don't have an opportunity really to control their own destiny because they can't play any SEC championship game after the loss to LSU. But I actually said this long before the injuries of this year. I said it before the season started. I was worried about Tua and the pros after what I saw last year, last season, with his injuries late in the year and what happened with the SEC title game and all that stuff. It doesn't look like his body is treating him very well right now. Not that he's not in shape, not that he's not an unbelievable athlete, but so is Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota's in great shape. But it's time for Marcus Mariota to go, and I don't think he's ever been the same since an injury. Tua's now had calf problems. He's got this hip. He's got he's had other things. And he has a tremendous offensive line in front of him in Alabama. Usually every year, one of the two or three best in the country. And wherever it is that he goes in the NFL, 
Think about the quality of the offensive line he'll be inheriting if he's a top five pick, for example, which he almost assuredly would have been and may still be. Or even in the top 10, how many teams that are picking in the top 10 generally have stellar offensive line play? The answer is probably not many. And if you don't have great offensive line play, then your quarterback's probably going to get hit a lot. See Deshaun Watson for that. See even Cam Newton. But Cam Newton's situation was a little different because he was a runner and he was trying to make plays, and it wasn't always just him getting sacked over and over again. But if you look at Watson, that's a primary example of this. And Watson's been hurt a lot. Tuatonga Vailoa, we have seen in back-to-back seasons him unable to hold up in a shorter season against SEC competition. That's the best competition you're going to find in college football. But it's nothing compared to what he's going to see in the NFL on a week-to-week basis. I see no evidence that tells me that Tuatonga Vailoa is going to be able to hold up against the physicality and the attrition of tackling that he's going to sustain in the NFL. I would love to see him prove me wrong. Great kid. Love the way he plays. Love the way he throws. Love the energy he plays with. Love everything about Tuatonga Vailoa, except that if I was a general manager, I couldn't draft him because it doesn't matter how much I love everything about his game. If he can't play his game, he is ineffective. This is the truth. This may sound blunt, but if Tuatonga Vailoa can't play, he's worse than Luke Falk. He's worse than the worst backup in the league because he can't do anything. You can wax poetic and rhapsodic about all the wonderful things that he can do as a passer and how the ball spins out of his hands and how it's always where his receivers needed to be and how he has great decision-making, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, his vision's impeccable. You can say all of those things. None of those statistics, none of those classifiers, none of those descriptors matter if he's standing on the sidelines holding a clipboard because he's hurt. It's that simple. And I don't want to point blame at Nick Saban. He didn't need to be in a game. Nick Saban said this, this was his final series that, you know, we just want to give him a little bit of run with the two minute offense and just get a little practice in on that in case we needed it later on. This was his final series. Unfortunately, it may have been his final series at Alabama unless he decides to come back to school for a year, which I posited on the Jason Martin show on Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio, but even I couldn't really come up with a good reason why anybody that could get drafted and get money wouldn't do it right now because the risks are so great. He's not going to be coming off of a Heisman Trophy, but you can think of Sam Bradford coming back to Oklahoma as an example of was it worth it. We'll see whether or not it's worth it for Justin Herbert at Oregon. He could have gone pretty high. At one point, he was looked at as a number one pick this past season. I don't think he would have been ultimately, but he chose to come back to school. And, and if Tua wants to come back to school, by all means, he should. Enjoy that college experience. Enjoy what life could be before it gets more and more complicated. But he's going through something right now, and I feel for him. His football team's not getting into college football playoff now. There's almost no question about that. The Tua-less Bama may lose to Auburn, first of all, but if they don't, you're going to have to take into consideration that Tonga Vilo is not going to be on the field and you can't make that selection at that point in time. But you could disagree. Maybe Tua never has another injury. Maybe this is just a couple of fluke occurrences and you don't have to worry about this ever again. I don't think I could take that risk. Not with that high a draft pick going for that position with a team that needs it. If I don't have an offensive line 
and I mean a great offensive line, or I'm not planning to address it, have the cap space to address it, or I'm going to make moves to address it in the draft, if I don't feel real good about my offensive line, I wouldn't even consider drafting to a Tongo Vailoa. But if it's me, I would not draft him in the first round. I might take a risk on him after that. He may drop into the 20s, or somebody may jump up and take him at five. They've said he's going to have a full recovery. Everything's going to be fine. And it might be. All I know is two seasons in a row he couldn't finish the season properly because of injuries. I don't know if he was ever right in college football playoff. He looked pretty good against Oklahoma. Didn't look the part against Clemson. We know how he looked against Georgia in the SEC title game. The Tua that came back, the Tua that got banged up against Tennessee, that Tua on top of the Tua we met last year, that's just enough for me to say my job as a general manager is to try not to get caught up in the shiny new toy or the beautiful red bicycle in the window of the toy store and make a decision that's actually ultimately going to work down the road. Sometimes you have to make the tough long-term call and ignore the short-term call. Tua right now feels like, man, what a short-term solution he could be. But long-term, I just don't think he's going to be able to hack it in the pros. Not because he doesn't have the ability, but because his body's going to be ravaged and he's going to find himself on IR as often, if not more, than he is on the field. And I pray I'm wrong. I don't want to be right that he's going to be an injury concern his entire career. But nothing tells me otherwise. It was a tale of two Alabama quarterbacks on Saturday. Tua and the other one was a guy that left the, left the University of Alabama so he could be a starter elsewhere, and that's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, and if you have listened to Big Six since the beginning, I read that Players' Tribune article that he wrote in January. I read the entire thing on air with his decision to go to Oklahoma and what a classy guy he is, how easy he is to root for. After this game, after this ridiculous comeback against Baylor, when he's down 25 points, he's playing atrocious. Second half, He's throwing to guys that you don't even know their names with CeeDee Lamb out of the game, and Baylor is crumbling at home around him, an undefeated Baylor team. After the game, what did Jalen Hurts do? He didn't puff his chest out. He said he loved it because he was playing horrible. He had put his team in such a bad spot, but they never stopped looking at him. They never stopped looking after him, and that together they were able to make that comeback, and he thanked his teammates. He didn't credit himself for any of this, despite how well he played in the second half. I love Jalen Hurts. I love Tuatango Vailoa. Those are two really easy-to-root-for young men. Jalen Hurts, I don't know that there is a more rootable athlete than Jalen Hurts. I just don't. I still don't think that his decision to go to Oklahoma worked out as best as it could. If he had gone somewhere else, maybe he could have done more. I don't know. You know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's fine. He's already won a national championship. He's lost one game at Oklahoma. Maybe he finishes losing one game at Oklahoma. I don't think they're getting in the college football playoff anyway, but he's had a really good season. He's been more accurate there. Lincoln Riley has tailored the offense around him a little bit, changed what he wants to do. That's not Lincoln Riley's offense that Jalen Hurts is running. But Jalen Hurts is doing a good job. So maybe I need to stop being quite so negative about it. I still thought he could have gone somewhere else that valued his skill set a little bit more and it didn't have to change the way that they played offense 
it just felt like it wasn't a natural fit, and it was a tough go to replace back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners at Oklahoma who were such accurate passers. But Jalen Hurts has done an, a great job at Oklahoma, despite the loss to Kansas State. And unfortunately for Oklahoma, that loss, which was looking a little bit better as Kansas State was winning games, took a big hit when they lost to West Virginia on Saturday and got knocked out of the top 25. So Oklahoma is still going to, you know, they're still going to have to lick that wound. And I just don't know that there's enough around that to mitigate it. They need too much help, quite frankly. Maybe they're going to get it, but I don't see it. Here's the top 10 for me in college football coming off of Saturday. I called Minnesota losing to Iowa because when you go to Iowa City and you play in Kinnick in November, you lose if you're a high-ranked team. It's just it's like a black hole of the end of your season, especially if you're undefeated. Minnesota rolls in, the high of Penn State. Iowa jumps on them early. They make a comeback. It's not enough. They lose. They're no longer undefeated. Baylor at home had Oklahoma playing horribly in the first half. And then Charlie Brewer and company couldn't get anything accomplished against OU in the second half. Blew a 25-point lead and lost by a field goal. Here's the top 10 as I see it. In college football, last week I had Penn State at 10 after the loss, Oklahoma at 9, Utah at 8, Minnesota undefeated at that point at 7, Georgia at 6. I was still valuing that South Carolina loss uh, as worse than Oregon's loss to Auburn, so I had Oregon at 5, Alabama at 4, even after the defeat to LSU, 3, Clemson, 2, Ohio State, 1, LSU. So here's my list now, obviously some changes. Penn State, I've got them still at 10, even though they didn't look impressive in their comeback. I mean, they won, but coming back after the loss to Minnesota, they were a little lethargic out there. Barely won. Minnesota at 9. I'll drop them two spots, but not out of the top 10 and not underneath Penn State. They already beat Penn State. They made an effort to come back against Iowa. That's a top 20 ranked team. It's not like they were playing a tomato can there. Apologies for that. Oklahoma at 8. I moved them up one spot because they beat Baylor. I guess maybe that shows that I don't have that much respect for Baylor because I've still got Alabama above them at seven. Alabama's seven is about as high as you're going to see them for the rest of the season. If they go beat Auburn and truck them and Mac Jones looks great, okay, maybe we can have a different argument. I don't see that coming. Remember Mac Jones completed just one pass to a wide receiver in the entire time he was in the game when he spelled two after two got hurt against Tennessee. Number six, I've got Utah. Hundley's the best quarterback in the country nobody's talking about. He is tremendous, and Utah's really, really good. Their loss to USC, I think, is a little worse than Oregon's loss to Auburn. So I've got Utah at six. I've got Oregon at five. Others will tell you Oklahoma should be above both of them. I disagree. And Utah and Oregon have the benefit of having a knockout game in the Pac-12 championship. Both of them could be one defeat each. And a winner could be playing for a playoff spot. Maybe. Number four is Georgia. Georgia's got three wins to talk about. Notre Dame, Florida, Auburn. Those are three really good wins for Georgia. On the road at Auburn on Saturday, held off the comeback from the Tigers in the fourth quarter. I'll leave them exactly where the committee had them on Tuesday night at four. They'll be in the SEC championship game representing the East with a chance to beat LSU at which point, if they do, then obviously they're going to be in the CFP as they should. Number three, I've got Clemson. They're starting to look like Clemson. They still haven't played anybody, so I'm not putting them over the two teams that I have at 2-1, and one, who I've had at 2-1 and one for the better part of the last five weeks. As a matter of fact, the last three, three polls I've done have had the same 2-1 and one in the same order, 
And so this becomes the fourth. Ohio State at two. LSU at one. LSU's defense frightens me a little bit. They gave up a little bit more to to Ole Miss than you expect. But they still won. They've got the win over Florida. They've got the win in Tuscaloosa over Alabama with two on the field. That crazy game. I've got them as just a little bit above Ohio State. Ohio State's got Penn State this weekend. Keep your eye on that game. I think Ohio State makes a statement there, and Penn State gets bludgeoned. And then maybe we do have a flip, potentially there. You could put either one of them one. It's okay with me. I've been with LSU since the beginning. I think they're the best team in the country. You may disagree. I think Ohio State's defense is better than LSU's. I think both their offenses are great. But I, I, I think that the Heisman Trophy winner resides in Baton Rouge right now, and I'm taking his offense over anybody in the country at present. So there's your top ten. Penn State, Minnesota, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Alabama, Utah, Oregon, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. With some big games coming, obviously, on Saturday, including Tennessee, Missouri, Tennessee tailgate show in the afternoon. On Saturday, you'll hear me and Joey Kent as we get you set for that game. Tennessee, one more win. They get bowl eligible. I think Saturday's game is going to be difficult for them, but I do think they're going to make a bowl game whether or not they go 2-0 to finish this season. Well, I guess you wouldn't say 2-0 based on the ones they've already won, but of what's left, they either go undefeated or go 1-1. They're still going to make a bowl game. We'll see how it all shakes out. And we'll be talking about it next week right here on the Quick 6 and across the platforms of 104.5 The Zone. Now to the NFL. Colts, Jags. Colts dominate the Jags. Nick Foles is back. Colts played well. They lost Marlon Mack for a time. They are just beaten up. Had Brissett out for a while. But they're 6-4. They still seem to be in the driver's seat in the division. Although the Texans are still going to be heard from. And the division is honestly wide open. Because nobody has been able to really pull out to a gigantic lead because they found a way to come back down to earth, just as the Texans did against maybe the best team in the NFL right now, the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk about them in just a second. Bills Dolphins, Bills win. They're seven and three. They're going to get a wild card. Their schedule's just too easy. Vikings come back against the Broncos, outscore them 20 to nothing in the final stanza to beat them 27 to 23. My Denver Broncos are three and seven. They're an absolute joke. John Elway needs to be out of that job post-haste. He's just not very good at it. The Flacco decision was not a good one, a disastrous one as a matter of fact. There's not a lot of talent in Denver. It's really hard to watch that team be that bad. I don't know that Vance Joseph's going to work either, but there's not a whole lot of groceries in that shopping cart right now either. Vikings 8-3. and three. It's them and the Packers in that division. The Bears are out of it, obviously. And the Lions, even with a good performance against Dallas, didn't win the game. They're now 3-6. and six. Their season's over as well. Saints over the Bucks. No surprise there. Saints lost to the Falcons. It's a division game. Weird things happen in division games. And now the Falcons have won two in a row because they went to Carolina and won that game as well. 29-3, to as a matter of fact. So the Panthers fall to 500. Matt Ryan has himself a good day. Real kind of workman-like 29-3 to just beat down of the Panthers there. So that's a look at the NFC South. The Saints are going to win that division. I don't think there's any question about that. They're the best team, one of the best teams in the league. Brees throws three scores in that game, and the Bucks are the Bucks. Jets over the Redskins, 34-17. to Sam Darnold throws four touchdown passes. Nothing will get you quite right in the NFL like playing Washington on the road. Sam Darnold needed this. The Redskins are atrocious. They were a chance of sell the team issued towards Daniel Snyder. They're one and nine. 
Jets three and seven. Both of them are bad franchises. I don't think Adam Gase is a very good head coach, but the Redskins are an atrocity with calamity falling at all sides. Ravens, 41, Texans, 7. Right now, Lamar Jackson's the MVP of the NFL. Four touchdowns for him against Houston. They're 8-2. and two. They've beaten the New England Patriots. Nobody else can claim that, although the Eagles tried to at home in a 17-10 game that left Tom Brady going on WEEI in Boston and saying, we got to fix our offensive woes. Because the offense for New England is really not very good. And it hasn't been good all year. Their defense has been. Their defense held Philadelphia to 10 points on the road, and that was enough as Nelson Aguilar could not find a way to bring in this catch that potentially would have tied it late in the ballgame. But the Patriots do need to find more on offense, or they are going to struggle. Ravens have them, so if it turned out to be a 1-2 and matchup in the AFC title game, it would be in Baltimore, not at Foxborough. Well, I mean, New England have to lose one more game for that to become the case. But I think they're going to. At some point, they're going to drop one. And the Ravens right now, what Lamar Jackson's doing, what Greg Roman's doing behind him, and certainly what John Harbaugh is allowing to happen is stunning. Really, really stunning and eye-opening and fun to watch. The Ravens are really good. Maybe the most balanced team in the NFL right now. 49ers got right against the Cardinals. Again, Jimmy Garoppolo throws four touchdowns. They come back to beat the Cards, outscore them by 12 in the fourth, 19-7. I told you this after the first time when Garoppolo made plays late in that game to beat them on Thursday night football a few weeks ago. It's the Cardinals. They have one of the worst defenses in the league. They've given up more points than any defense in the league this year. That doesn't mean that Garoppolo is all of a sudden the greatest player in the world. He's about the 15th to 20th best quarterback in the NFL. That's fine. Slow your roll. There's no MVP discussion to be had here. Did you see his act on Monday against the Seattle Seahawks? I did. Raiders, props. Not because they beat the Bengals, but because they're 6-4 and considering all the tumultuous activity that took place in the lead-up to the season with Antonio Brown. And just, I didn't think they were going to be this good. I really didn't. Now, playing the Bengals, who are 0-10, woeful and just dreadful on every level. Um, It's nothing too fancy to win 17-10, but a win in the NFL is a win in the NFL. They're six and four. They were really hoping the Chargers were gonna have, were gonna beat the Chiefs last night. Didn't end up happening. But the Raiders are certainly there for a wild card spot. That game between the Raiders and the Tennessee Titans coming up in a few weeks. That game, ladies and gentlemen, is probably a knockout game for one of those two teams as it relates to the playoffs. Rams over the Bears, seventeen to seven. Still, this game was not fun to watch on Sunday night. Trubisky with a hit pointer. They can't score at all. The Bears are four and six. Matt Nagy was being talked about so highly last year. He's not right now. I don't think it's because he's forgotten how to coach. He doesn't have a quarterback. And if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you've pretty much got nada. Even with a defense that has been great all year long, it just doesn't matter. They're being asked to do too much. The Rams are six and four. They are behind the Seahawks. They are behind the 49ers. They are probably going to miss the playoffs imagine that those two teams last year and what you expected from them this year maybe a Super Bowl hangover a little bit for the Rams but McVay's offense has not been what we expected and golf look it's not looking like a great signing right now I thought at the time it could be a bargain because those two guys were working so well together it's not working out that way this year they are not as healthy they were abnormally healthy last year were the Rams this year they have suffered some injuries 
but they've also just been unable to score to the same clip that we're used to with that team. And then last night, 77 times in his career, Phillip Rivers has failed in a fourth-quarter game-winning drive or comeback, that according to Scott Kazmar of Football Outsiders. He's succeeded like 30 or sometimes. He's been in the league forever. This was maybe the worst game of Patrick Mahomes' career. Still 24-17. to 17. Chiefs win it in Mexico City on a field they had no business playing on. That's got to be changed. There's too much money involved for these guys to be turning their ankles in bad grass and divots all over this thing. But the Chiefs are 7-4. and four. The defense intercepts Phillip Rivers four times. I saw somebody ask me last night if Phillip Rivers would be a good bridge quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if they move on from Winston. There have been speculation about Phillip Rivers to Tennessee. I think a lot of it's been joking speculation, but it's been there. Phillip Rivers is done. With a quarterback, it goes really fast when age catches up to him. Last year, at this time, we were discussing Phillip Rivers having the best season of his career and potentially an outside MVP candidate. They made the playoffs. They won a game, and then they became the Chargers again. This year, we are discussing Phillip Rivers as maybe he's barely a starter in this league on any kind of competent team. It looks like it's over for him. He doesn't have the zip on his passes that he usually does. Even his decision-making is a little bit more questionable. The Chargers should not be this bad, and they are. Four and seven for them, I, I can't even imagine. I know that they have, you know, they had the Melvin Gordon thing. They had some things that they had to deal with, but my goodness, you want to talk about falling off a cliff. The Bears, I predicted it. The Chargers, I did not. So that's a look at the NFL. I don't even want to talk about the Miles Garrett thing anymore. I talked about it for hours on the Jason Martin show on Sunday morning. I talked about it with you guys on Outkick the Coverage on Friday on Fox. I talked about it on the Big Six on Friday on Fox. It's bad news. It's awful. I feel bad for Miles Garrett because he lost his head, no pun intended, literally, and just harmed his legacy in a way that he could never come back. One other thing I want to mention on the way out. Cowboys 35, Lions 27. Dak Prescott is outplaying Aaron Rodgers this year. Dak Prescott is a top five MVP candidate. If you look at the numbers, if you look at everything that he's doing, this has got to be it for Jason Garrett. We'll see how this finishes up. Now, if they win six in a row and they finish 12-4, and four, we're not going to have this discussion. But Jason Garrett has been there so long, and Dak Prescott deserves better at this point. Zeke has been on and off. That defense has been on and off. That offensive line has been on and off. But Dak Prescott, by and large, has at least been competent in every game and at times has been absolutely brilliant. You think about the guys we're talking about with Russell Wilson, certainly, and Lamar Jackson at the top of the list, and Deshaun Watson, and then you start thinking about McCaffrey and all these other folks. Dak Prescott needs to be mentioned in that same discussion because Dak Prescott is keeping the Cowboys in games they shouldn't be in. He has been just great, quite frankly, this season. 444 yards in that game on Sunday, three touchdowns, no picks, an 82 QBR. Let's take a look at what he's done for the season. 3,221 yards, 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's a little high. His QBR for the season is 77.8. That's second in the NFL. He's completing 63% of his passes. He's dealing with more drops than almost anybody in the league. When he's not throwing to Amari Cooper, a lot of guys are dropping passes. He's been really good. 
and the, if the Cowboys make the playoffs, he's the number one reason why. And if your quarterback is the number one reason why you are making the playoffs, then you know what you do in the offseason? You pay the man. Dak Prescott has earned his money as far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying he's earned $35 million a year, but if you want to pay him 28 to 30 and he'll take that, I would run and make that happen. I was not totally sold, and I'm still not even suggesting that he is like a top three quarterback in a year-to-year basis, but the way he's played this year, you can't let him walk out the door. Whatever it is that you have to do, unless it's just completely outrageous, you do. Because Dak Prescott has shown he's a winner. He's shown he's a gamer. He's shown that he's got tangible skill to go with the intangible skill. And he's only going to get better. And he's still so young. He's only 26 years old. That's a future I would wager on, folks. And that is the quick six on this Tuesday, November the, I'm going to screw it up again, 19th, 2019. A couple of updates. Mandalorian episode one, Mandalorian episode two on Disney plus. I'm going to write reviews on both of those over the next couple of days. Look for that over at the big six blog. I've written on Watchmen already. That came out just as credits rolled on Sunday nights. That's always, if you're watching Watchmen, as soon as it's over, head to 1045thezone.com. You'll find my review there. I've only got one more episode in advance. They're supposed to send me seven through nine to finish out the season here in a couple of days. But at the very least, I know I'm going to have that one up for you on Sunday. You will hear from me on the Big Six on Friday night and then the Tennessee Tailgate Show with Joey Kent on Saturday. I appreciate all your support, all the, all the just wonderful things that you guys bring you make me smarter. You make me better with your comments. Follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Let me know what you think about my top 10 in college football, my Dak Prescott take, whether or not you would draft to a Tongo Bailoa. Just let me know. Let me know where you are on a lot of these different things, and I'll talk to you soon. Until next time, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good morning, good afternoon, good night from the Music City.